Hello, everyone. This is Winston Wilson with the Creativity Cocktail. Oh, my gosh. This is a beautiful day. I got my brother back in the house here. My brother, Dad Paxton's in the house. I am so, so, so thrilled to see my brother back in the house. I tell you, um, when we started this about two years ago, this was around the same time I met Dad. I was just saying to myself, this brother got something to say. He got <laughs> so much going on in this world. So, Dad, Good to see you, my brother. Good to see you too, man. Thank you again for inviting me on. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, we're gonna talk about this because what Dap's got going on with Dap's World Studios. This, this you gonna want to stick around for that. You gonna want to hear that piece. Um, what we start off with on the Creativity Cocktail Dap is we always talk about tools to kick it off. So. I know you've been on a podcast before, so you might have shared before some of the tools, but for the audience that may have never heard it before, tell us about the things that you get when you're ready to like create and you're down or get in that space in that environment. You're like, this is that about to make it happen. Like, what is it that could, what happens for you? Is it like a is it like a scenario? You gotta have certain lights on, you gotta have certain things, you gotta have certain tools. So tell us about your tools that you use. It's interesting, man, because you know, I do a lot of different things. Yeah. And I have different tools for like different things, but um, creatively, uh, let's say I'm, I'm, yeah, this is writing or even working on a character, right? I, um, I make sure that I am like locked in my office. Like this is my office right now. This is my creative sanctuary, if you will. <laughs> you see how like all my artwork is up and stuff you know, that inspires awesome. me. So those are some of my tools. I, I like to be surrounded by things that inspire me. Uh, but I get a, I get a pad just like oh. this and a pencil or a pen and I just start writing. You know, wow. I, I know a lot of people write from, you know, they, they'll get on their laptop and they can go to work, man. I can't do that. I have to old school. I'm writing like by hand, uh, scripts and, uh, and ideas. So I pen and paper, man, that's my biggest tool. <laughs> So when you when you write them like that, do you later on do you have to like translate them into some other system? Do you have to put yeah, them somewhere yeah. else? Okay. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I use um it's Celtics, um C L T X dot com. Yeah. So, I, yeah. so I, I do I pull everything from my notepad and just and type it up in, in the proper format. Uh yeah. use Celtics. Or is I mean it might be Celtics always. It's one of those two. But yeah. uh it's a really good, it's a dope software, you know. Um, it keeps you organized as a filmmaker, you know, right. as a kind of creator. Have uh, you so always been that way where you always did the writing or have you yeah. shifted and all that? Wow. Yeah, man. I, I grew up like I've been a writer since I was eight. My mom, she pressed that on me. I had to know how to read and know how to write. Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember in elementary school, I got in trouble because my grades dropped and my mom was like, yo, okay. So it was the end of the school year. It's like my last report card. She made me write the entire dictionary from front to back. What? <laughs> the whole Whoa. From front to back. Wait so, a minute. So was it one of these smaller dictionaries you had or was it one of them big ones? No, it was one of them big, it was one of them big ones. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no little baby dictionary. This was like real deal. So uh, yeah, I had to write the whole dictionary from front to back that whole summer. I spent doing that. Um, but she, you know, she pressed upon me the importance of concise writing. Yeah, so that's how I write now. So I've been a creative writer since I was very young, very very young. Wow. That's fantastic. So th thank you so much for that. So anyone that's out there that wanted to um, hear about how the, do the dope dad stays on tap with his writing, that's how he does it. <laughs> I know he was freestyling, man. He got bars. That's right, man. You know, I've been around for a minute, so <laughs> the bars can just come just at some weird moments. <laughs> it's out in the place. That's, that's right. Where, where I grew up, you had to be able to spit some bars or you would get in trouble. People would be on you. So you, yeah. had, you had to be ready to go at any moment. So. <laughs> That's what's right, because you're from New York, right? What part of New York? Yeah, so I'm from um, Long Island. So I grew up in Brooklyn for probably about till I was like seven years old or so. Then yeah. I went to Long Island. I went to a spot in Long Island that's well known for 
for hip hop artists, you know, you think about Public Enemy and um, Rock Kim and some of those, they all came from Long Island. And yeah. so, so Long Island, you got to have it on De La Souls, you got to have it on your dome, you got to have it ready to go. You got you got to be you got to be there. And you know, we would just have, you know, like I have parties in your house where it's just people come in and they listen to the music and that kind of stuff. We'd have parties where people just came in and freestyled. Oh man. Brothers like just freestyle. And you had to be ready. You just had to be ready. Even uh -huh. if you only had one bar. <laughs> you just had to make it like all like you'd have to be Shakespearean about the bar. You had to be like ready. You you do your walk around, you be like, yo, yo, so I'm about to hit y'all with this thing. I'm about to come off with this thing. Then you hit your one bar, drop the mic in the dead. The, <laughs> you're like, I'm done. I'm only hitting y'all with one bar tonight. Then I'm out. <laughs> no, that's all y'all getting. That's, that's all y'all getting. Y'all only need one bar, man. More that's bars it. than that, then y'all got to pay or y'all got to come to the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's so rich. That's, yeah. that's such a rich culture, man. Uh, yeah, I tell you, hip hop has been part of my life in so many ways. You know, I, I don't think I've ever told the story before, but when I was young, I they used to take you to this camp. Like in the summertime, you the, the government would pay for this camp, especially in the neighborhood that I grew up in. It was a you know tough neighborhood. I didn't know it. It was just my little place I lived, and they would take all of the kids and the, and the thing to this camp, and they took us to this place in Coney Island. So they took us all the way down to Coney Island. So I was going, so we all got on a bus, we got to Coney Island, and they got one of those rides where you just sit in it and it goes up and down and around. You know, it's just like, it just rolls around. All it is is just rolling around, you just sitting with your loved one right here and y'all just going up and down, up and down. But then inside of there, they started playing this song inside of this. And I was saying to myself, what the hell is that? And it was South Bronx from, you know, from KRS and, um, and Scott Rock. Yeah, yeah, at Coney Island, they was playing the song, South, South Bronx, South Bronx. And I was like, what is that? What the hell is that? And people wanted to get on, they didn't want to get off the ride, the whole camp. Everybody forgot all the other rides in Coney Island. And they were just going on that one ride because that ride was playing South, South Bronx in Brooklyn. And, you know, and I was, and I was just at the time of that, I was like, what is that? And then about a few weeks ago, this kid came, this guy was coming to the show to do like this end of the end of the summer show. And I was like, who is that dude that's coming to the show? Because we all had to do something. And it was like, it's this guy named Curtis Blow was coming to the show. And then when I listened to it, I was like, I, right. me being a, a hip hop snob, I'm saying to myself, well, that wasn't as great as the South Bronx, but this music is still fantastic. Yeah. I still yeah. Did, did this music, I just love it. So I'm on a tangent there, but that's that's but you got me going on that one. <laughs> Yo, that's what's up, man. That's a great story. But that's those are tools that I use too. And people kind of overlook that, you know, when they're in this creative mode and creative space. You create the stories that you already have within you. Yeah. You know? And so that's a major, major I mean, what's well, a resource. You know, you tap into that. That's a major tool, man. And so, uh, you know, a lot of what I create, even the characters that I, um, I end up portraying, they come from my past experiences. Like that's a rich story. Going to camp, first of all, you know, leaving, being able to leave your neighborhood for a minute, you know, to go into a somewhere completely different than where you're growing up at, that you're spending your days at, you know, yeah. and then you're South Bronx for the first time on a on a ride. Yeah, I tell you, I don't yeah. think that people think of a lot of times, and this is more of a political opinion here, and I'm okay with telling the audience here to create their cocktail my political positions on things. But those kind of things that happened back then, they got rid of them, right? Because they were like, oh, this is too costly. They're like, oh, we can't pay, we can't send young people in this distressed neighborhood to camp anymore. That what, what are we getting out of that? You know, they was they were like, "What's my what's their ROI of sending kids to camp?" Yeah. But there was an ROI for me because um, I got exposed to stuff. We went to different places, we went to different states, and all my parents had to do was sign a little slip. I'm sure somebody at the government paid for this. Or when I mean the government, I mean the taxpayers. <laughs> I mean the taxpayers were paying it. But then one day somebody just said, "Stop, we ain't doing that no more." Yeah. And I was saying to myself. I know that stuff is costly, right? To send kids to camp, 
And I know that it's costly to give kids an instrument. When I was in the fourth grade, I came to school the very first day. They gave every single kid that was in the school a brass instrument. Wow. Uh, uh, that is so freaking, and the kids got to choose what they wanted to do. So like when my kid wanted to get an instrument, guess who had to pay for the instrument? <laughs> that's right. That's forward a few years later. And I'm saying to myself, man, I know that that's of course a lot, but it has an effect on people's lives. If it had an effect on my life, there's got to be millions of kids that had that same thing. So, so that's so interesting. I'm, I'm going to bring you back to that whole instrument thing because I want to talk about that later uh, on. Yeah, no, no, I would love to talk about that. Um, so now, so tools, so now if you're creative out there right now, it's 2021. This is the, this year is a year of hope. There's a lot of great stuff on the horizon, right? We, we are going to get through this pandemic at some point throughout this year. So if there's somebody out there who's been like, oh man, this pandemic got me down or I got this thing that ain't finished. What are some tips you want to give to that person today? Man, um, so this is something interesting. I'm glad we're talking about this, uh, that I'm exploring within my own self. And that is the uh, the concept of self-identity. You know, a lot of times we, we wonder why we're stuck. You know, I know I wonder, like, I, I'll get stuck sometimes creatively. I think it happens to everybody. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Um, course, yeah, wonder, it does happen. You know, like, why can't I get beyond this place, right? Um, even in my, my businesses, I'm like, okay, something's happening. I can't get over this hump. Like, what's keeping me from that? And I'm starting to realize how important self-identity is in, that pro in the process of moving beyond your block. Um, because that's a lot of people say, get out your own way. That's how we get in our own way. We, we identify ourselves a certain, a certain way. And so during this time, you know, number one, especially when we were quarantined, we're receiving the only information that we're getting, you know, was from like the media, which includes social media. Um, that's right. Yeah. Food, right. And so we're getting all this information and that's like really the only place that we're getting information from. We might talk to our family members, and, 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 but nobody knows what's going on. And it's depressing, you know, um, especially, you know, the whole political stuff, you know, the, you know, just everything. It wasn't good news. Right. And so um, because we're tuned into that, it, it keeps us at a certain place creatively. It's hard for me to create from a place of depression. But that's what all of this stuff has been generating, really this, this place of depression where now people are identifying themselves as uh, a depressed person. So whereas um, I could identify myself as maybe a person that's going through a dry spell, you know, people are identifying as a depressed person. Right. You know, and not like, okay, this is just a phase or this is something that I can't get through. Um, so my my advice to people who feel like they are um, kind of stuck, maybe at this low point, especially right now with, with everything that's been going on in society, I would say just really take a good look at how you see yourself. Right. You know, <clears throat> take a take a good look of uh, how you're talking to yourself in your head. You know, are you are you being kind to yourself or are you? Um, constantly telling yourself that you can't do it or or you're not worthy or whatever it is, you know, because um, that's where those blockages come from. They come from mm -hmm. fear and indecision. <laughs> yeah. fear I heard I heard someone say um, something similar uh, a couple of years ago and they call them rackets. Like, mm -hmm. we, you know, like this is like a kind of a, I guess, a, a gangster term. But like we're creating rackets in our own head. Like we're creating these stories in our head about these things that are impediments to our success, but they ain't real. Like or, or something we've been holding on for so long. Like there's real trauma from going through a pandemic. There's like for for seven point seven billion people are going through a collective trauma at the same time. And there's repercussions for that. Yeah. And the challenge we'll have is to try to take our take the pain of that 
because some people's pains are different than others, right? Some people were directly affected by it, um, and some people just saw it in the peripheral. Uh, but like, how do you, people's got to take their moments and say, you know what, I got to get past this. And and to me, and this is kind of one of the reasons why the creativity cocktail exists over these last couple of years, is to really let people know that, you, you know, your creativity is one way. It is a way to help you get through this. Dust, off, yeah, dust that stuff off that you got sitting around and do that. You know? It is, man. It is. I mean, because, you know, we create from an infinite source, right? right? I mean, as, as creatives, we're always in this in this space of, uh, you know, bringing something from the unknown into a space where people can see it, like it's tangible now. Um, yeah. We kind of, we live in that space. Um, and I, I call it, you know, like this this magical place, like as creatives, that's, that's kind of where we reside. Um, and so that's our superpower in a way. Uh, yeah, superpower. Yeah, to heal ourselves and also to to help other people who are going through the same thing. You just 7.8 billion people, right? Um, mm. Can see your work and and it'll help them get out of that too. Um, so so my, my charge would be uh, for people to to see themselves as one that can, um, that not just got to get past this, but can, I have the capacity to get beyond this. You know, like I am capable of getting beyond this. You know, I am capable of healing. So this links back to our first part of the conversation around tools. So someone's out there like, yo, I'm ready. I've gotten past it. I'm feeling it. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go. Would you yeah. give them your advice? Just getting a notebook like yourself? What would yeah. you tell that person? <laughs> and I have told people it because I know because I've done it. It worked. It worked for me. You know, I mean, because writing, even if it's not like a project, just writing your thoughts down, it, it unlocks something inside of you, man. And then it becomes a time capsule. So anytime that if <laughs> Let me finish this thought. So anytime that you, you go through something later on in life, you can always refer back to what you wrote in his real life. It's, it's from your point of view. It's not some other book of somebody else's experience. You know, it's your own. And so you can see now that I have evidence here, you know, that I was going through this dark time and I was able to get out of that. You know, or, or something was there, this, this, whatever, you know, some people, God was there for me and helped me to get out of this place. And I'm like, you have it in your notebook. So I, man, writing saved my life. So I'm an advocate for writing. Um, you know, I, write. I, I was going to say, I heard this, um, this really prolific um, writer and comedian recently, Fran Leibowitz. I think she's from New York somewhere. And someone was commenting to her about, you know, the proliferation of people like texting and all that stuff. She was like, everybody's a writer. <laughs> it's like, everyone's a, like, everyone. And I was like, she's so right. And I think the thing that we have to key in on, and this is probably why a lot of people are successful with some of uh, their social media efforts, is just like making sure you're capturing your authentic self when you're doing that. Yeah. Because the world is at the point to me is that they are just looking for you to be you. They People want to follow you, like for real you. They don't want to follow like the sort of you. You know, I think people have gotten really savvy about what they see out in the media. They're like, see, like, yeah, damn, this guy ain't got a birthday every day. <laughs> like, how can he have a birthday every day? Like, how can he be in Cabo every week? It can't be right. That don't make sense. You know, it don't, it don't make sense. How, you know, that don't make sense. How is his face like that? I know he's 89. How is there's like all of this stuff that we do to kind of make these avatars of ourselves yeah. in these other places, as opposed to saying, you know what? I'm just gonna be me. If no one likes who I am, then that ain't me, my problem. I've gotta be me. I gotta be like really my soul tells me that I'm gonna be online and I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be online, I'm gonna be me online. I ain't gonna be just the 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 everything's good online, me. So right, right. It's all valuable. Yeah. 
it's all value. Like, you know, the struggle is, is, is valuable, man. Um, that internal struggle is valuable. And, you know, I am, um, that's interesting. I don't, I don't, I'm not all that. Let me change the way I say that. Uh, be intentional about your words too. So I've not been performing well on social media. You know, like I'm not consistent. I'm not posting all the time. I'm hardly even, I hardly going there to check my social media. So I'm like, unless you tag me or something and I get a notification, I am probably not going to see what you post, you know, cause I, I'm not, I'm never really on there. Um, but I'm watching people who uh, I'm learning from online. And they're getting their message out there because they're using social media. Yeah. And yeah. I think you're so right. Um, I really want to say thank you to Lester for reaching out and joining us today. Lester Green, he's a fantastic filmmaker and human being. So I'm, I'm so appreciative of him giving us a shout out today. Um, I think it's all right there, Dap, is that I think there's this thing because we get this dopamine hit every time somebody likes something that we are doing, no matter what it is, whether it's your significant other or if somebody online say, yo, I loved your show or I loved your, I loved your post or something. Um, but the same, and I think that creates that kind of, that kind of almost like a drug where people are like, yo, I just got to post me doing stuff. I got to post me doing fantastic things that's going on in the world. I just got every time, it's my birthday every week. I just, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Where it's all about what they're doing. And what I found to me personally that I love the most of social media is for me to be able to talk about or to respond to what other people are doing. That's great. Like, you know, when you see somebody like I've met family members I didn't even know existed because of social media. Yeah. It's kind of cool in that respect. Um, but really being focused on being your authentic yeah. self as a creator, right? And we're going to talk about that here and now. We're going to talk about that world studio. And um, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is that you are authentically yourself. You are yeah. not like someone doesn't go to Dab and say, yo, that Dab, man, I don't know about him. <laughs> You put it on You too, man. Like you're so genuine. I was telling somebody about you um the other day. And I was like, yo, Winston is like, he's the most genuine person I think I've ever met in my life. You know? Um Thank you, brother. The spirit of of authenticity, you know. And it's not it's not easy to be that. People say, oh, yeah, he's just authentic, he's authentic. But there are forces that are trying to pull us all from being who we are. Yeah. There so, are, some people say that force is the devil, but sometimes that force is us. <laughs> like, we, we, are, we are the ones who are sabotaging ourselves to do things. We, we are that, you know, we can't blame it on some other force. We are the force. We all the force. We all the force. It's always us. You know, we always have a choice. Um, and that's you know, that's that's another reason why I'm taking I'm taking the journey that I'm taking right now as an entrepreneur and a creator. You know, um, is because of that force. So I can I can allow that force to to keep me from pursuing my dreams. You know, I can call it the devil if I want to, but I know what it is. You know, or I can say, okay, we'll check it. This is uh oh, <laughs> not the website. Wait, wait. <laughs> so or I can take responsibility for my own, you know, success and and really know the power that I have, man. And so Daps World Studios, uh, Daps World Creative Studios is my uh, platform for for creatives like myself who are looking to empower themselves as well as the world around them. Uh, so it's so funny that you just pulled on my website. I've been working on my site and I just finished updating it, but I hadn't published it yet. So what you what you have up there is like something old. <laughs> so like, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so, that's dope, brother. It's, it, it tells you who you are, book an appointment, and our yeah. standout work. So this is fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah. Just don't click through there because I already like unattached some of the buttons. Because I'm um, <laughs> so published later on the updated website. That's I, I, I know. I know that how that is to have because a website is a perpetual work in progress. There is yeah. no doubt about it. So you said, say it again for the audience in regards to why you started Daps World Studios. I know you just said it, but say it again because I think people need to hear it and make sure it sinks in with them. Yeah, man. I, I started Daps World Studios because I just I feel like there needs to be a place for artists to feel empowered to tell their stories. Um, and, and, and not just their stories, but stories, um, that, that communicate, um, new narratives. So, because I, I, I want a place like that. <clears throat> I want a place that I can go to and be able to create, um, and, and you know, uh, produce stories, you know, this content. Um, so that's why I created Daps World Creative Studios, um, and not just for filmmakers, but anybody who supports the film industry. So, um, like, you have a place to come to and and explore, play, do your work. You know, uh, meet other creatives, figure out ways to collaborate, and uh, and build something. You know, dope. So you have it. Tell us. Um, I know you said it was in. So for those of you who are listening to us all over the world. Uh, we are based in the Atlanta metro area, and I know that the location is here in Atlanta. If I remember, it's on the southeast side of Atlanta, like the Stonecrest area. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the studio is in Stonecrest. Um, so, or, or Lithonia, for those of you who, uh, you know, who are in it. But it's, it's in Stonecrest. It's just, uh, that's a new township. Um, Stonecrest is new, so it used to be like Stone, Stonecrest is great. I knew a lady who was the um, one of the representatives there, and they're really doing some nice things in that place. They yeah. really are. They're so progressive. Uh, so I like I like being in that community. So that's where the studio is, and it's uh, it's thirty five hundred square feet. There are three sound stages. Um, you know, we're we're still building some stuff out. Uh, like the podcast studio is coming. Um, the recording studio is coming. Um, and, but yeah, man, so it's, it's a studio. It's, it's right there. It's for us, you know, and that's just, that's just one step. So I'll tell you, um, we're, we're also working on, uh, getting another location as well. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's been a lot of stuff happening with that's world. And like I said, I, I don't post a lot about what I'm doing. Is that um, is that in is that in Atlanta too? That 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 second yeah. location? Yeah, yeah, that second location is in Atlanta. It actually well, it's in East Point. Wow. Oh yeah, East Point's got some good stuff over there. That's another city. I tell you, for those of you who don't know the Atlanta metro area, it is a beautiful place with so many growing cities all around the north, south, east, west side of the cities. This, this is a great place to be. You gotta have a car, but it's a great one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really fantastic place to be. Um, so this is that World Studio, and this is just Winston's question here because for those of you who know me, know that I'm a playwright. Does it have um, like play, stage um, settings and all that stuff? Not right now. Not right okay. now. But there will be. Okay, because we gotta build that out. Because we got, I'm, a, I need to book some space in Daps World Studio. I've got, like, I got a, a four day reservation on lock. Oh, word. Okay. As long as, you, as long as you let us in, we we gonna be there because we got stories to tell. And Man. you know, I got, I got your back, brother. There's no doubt about it. Not that I know. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful space. Um, you know, the, the one in Stonecrest is a beautiful space. So, you know, we'll be doing a few things out of there. Um, but really the push is is for this this new space. Uh, so this is about creativity and entrepreneurship, right? That's, That's correct. Time. And so, you know, this has been a journey, like getting the studio set up has been a journey. And I've been talking to people about you know, documenting it on social media so people can see, you know, what happens and, uh, you know, um, how to negotiate contracts and, uh, you know, how to uh, 
establish a business so that it is credit worthy and you know just all this different stuff that i'm learning in this process and uh because it's not always easy like we've hit some major um bumps yeah i tell you that's one of the reasons for those of you who are out there following you know that we've got three channels in um in our organization and one of them is called surviving business and one reason why we created that one is that we really knew that there were so many people, especially these days, where there's going to be this growth of businesses coming back or growing. And we're like, we need to create something that's a platform to help everybody we know who's got business. Because I tell you that between, I know you probably feel the same way, like damn near everybody I know either has a business, want a business, or is going to get a business. <laughs> and. Uh, that's a beautiful thing about our whole country, quite frankly, because there's some countries you can't do that. You just can't. And and about our state, quite frankly, you know, if you want to have a business in Georgia, you don't have to go through a ton of things. I know people in other states said, you know, you try to start a business in California. See what's going to happen. <laughs> you better come in. You got to have cheese just to go walk in the door and say, I want to start something. And, and Georgia is just really good about that. Yeah, really Really good. So we got a comment here from um, Michelle, who says, "Are there spaces for visual art exhibits inside of Daps World Studio?" Yes, there there are spaces. Um, like I said, it's thirty five hundred square feet, and um, so yeah, I'll uh, hmm, reach out to me, uh, Michelle, and I will send you maybe some more information about the, the different studios in the space, and then we can set up a time for you to tour it. That would be good. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. 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 So I got a I got a series of promo videos that's about to come out too, and so you'll be able to see you know what the studio look like looks like um, from that perspective as well. So yeah, man, lots of ups, lots of downs. Um, you know, uh, like I mean, with with the studio thing, um, the initial proposal that I put out there and I've been working on this deal for a while, you know, that ended up being declined. And so mm -hmm. I, yeah, I had to draft a whole nother uh, proposal contract um, in order to nail it down. We're still working on, you know, the negotiations for that. Um, Michelle says, post the info, please. Okay, I don't know if I can do that from here, but I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, if you have the info, we will make sure that Michelle gets it. We will put it in the the notes for the show. Um, and I don't know if there's anything on the website because you did say the website is a work in progress, where anyone can go if they want to see something today. I don't know if that's ready. No, that's not. That's okay, but yeah, make sure we do it because, quite frankly, Michelle, thank you so much for the question. Um, Thank you so much for the question because it's such a powerful thing. Um, I, I've talked to that quite a bit about this, and I think what he's doing because he and I know that it's such a struggle for creators in Atlanta to find appropriate spaces. Um, I, I have to tell you, I think I've been um, personally discriminated against, and Alessa has a great comment about the power of social media. Um, thank you so much, Lester. Uh, and it wasn't overt discrimination that. It wasn't someone that says, hey, are you black? You can't can't use our space. I think it was more like these kind of things. Well, you need, I think it was one place, and I won't name the place here, but I was trying to do a show, um, and you're familiar with this show, and it was really, really something I've been working on for a long period of time. So I went to this, this theater in Atlanta, and they said, well, you need to create a, a $2.5 million insurance policy. You need to share that with us. And I was saying to myself, and I don't mean to curse for the people who are listening to this, but I was like, God damn, if I had a two and a half million dollar insurance policy, I would have my own daggone theater and I wouldn't need you to be, I wouldn't need to be to come to use your theater for that kind of thing. And plus I know for a fact, cause I know business, you got your own insurance policy. Yeah. So it was a way, and this might be just the way I feel about this, but it was a way for me to say, all right, maybe I'm being discriminated against. Or maybe it wasn't just Winston being discriminated because he's black. Maybe it's Winston being discriminated because he's a small theater show. <laughs> and we don't want that kind of show. We want the shows that we we, we only want to do Romeo and Juliet and them kind of shows. Yeah. 
we don't want a new type of theater work. Um, That's interesting, you know, but, but these are some of the things that I've learned too. Um, like there's a way around that, you know, like if, if they would have asked you for that, that policy, you know, there's a way that you can, you can navigate around that and still um, secure the space. They will have to come up with another reason if they don't want you in, in the space. And that's, um, that's another thing, man. Just keeping business honest, yes. businesses honest. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that I like to, to do, uh, especially being a creative and, and being one that, um, has been taken advantage of because I'm a creative and, you know, I, I wasn't so savvy on the business side at one point in time. Um, just holding people accountable for that. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, so you need a $2.5 million insurance policy. It doesn't make sense. Because I, I, I put together events for people where we didn't need anything or we needed some small writer just for the event that was, you know, a few, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or something like that. So they were talking to me and I was saying to myself, oh my gosh, you think you were talking to a novice or someone that didn't need it? I, I don't want to rail against this group of people because they obviously had a, you know, whatever they had their opinion of. I got the show produced anyway because I found some great brothers and some great people who said, hey, you know, we we will do a new show. We will do a show that no one's heard of before. And and that so they took a risk on me and obviously it worked out and I'm continuing to do stuff. That's pretty important. But see, that's the thing too is like looking at those moments like this is the best thing that could have happened. Yes. You know, like this is the best possible outcome. I didn't see it at the time because I wanted that over there, but that didn't work out so that this could, you know. Yeah. You probably got closer to your audience anyway. I did. And, you know, it turned, it, I learned so much about just putting on things, not just for myself, but for all the people involved, whether they were actors or technical people or the audience. All of that happened because I said, you know, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to go ahead and just say, you know, I'm just going to tell myself at this point in life, I can't do something. I was in sales for so long that and the one thing that would ever happen and every time that I wouldn't get a sale, I would get so energized about making sure I got me a next sale. Like if someone told me they weren't gonna that they weren't gonna do business with me, I would not stop what I'm doing until I filled the, the funnel back up. I would go crazy. I would call it. I would call. I would go. I would do whatever I gotta do because people can't say because I'm very authentic when I'm talking to somebody about something. Yeah. And um, I wanted people to feel that same kind of way. Yeah. So, thank That's you so much, Lester, for his comment. I put it up there a second ago. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> thank you, Lester. I appreciate that. So tell us what else is going on with Dapp's World. Uh, so right now, um, I'm, like I said, man, I'm, I'm learning so much. Right now, we're, um, we're starting a campaign to raise capital so that we can essentially purchase a building and then build it out. Right. So we'll actually own the real estate. You know, that that was the goal from the beginning is to own the property, own the building and um, be able to produce out of it. So you're, my, my goal is to have multiple streams of income. And so, and I understand real estate, you know, this is my first time doing a commercial deal, but I've done a bunch of residential deals before. Uh, so it's a learning curve for me. So there's some things that I'm learning in this process and that's, that excites me. But uh, what, what I saw was there's value in ownership, um, especially in a place that, that needs some type of uh, impact, right? Whether it's uh, a, they, they need jobs for the people who live in that town or they need a job like industry training or they need something, you know, there's something that cities need. And uh, when you have something to bring, then um, they're a lot kinder to you <laughs> and welcoming. And they'll, they'll show you the ways that you can actually come in and, and do your project. Um, I've always been in the mindset of, of ownership anyway. Like I, it's not enough for me to just make a movie and then 
uh, have a studio, you know, uh, distributed or own the rights to it, or, you know what I mean? Like I sell it, I don't even own it anymore. I've just written it and, and there you go. Uh, that's never really sat well with me. So I'm like, you know, owning the studio, um, anything that comes through Daps World Studios, I, I'll own, you know, uh, some of the rights to the, to the project. Um, yeah, ownership is a key thing. The lesser sent us a comment to that effect. And I think that is so key um, these days, especially when you think about Atlanta, there's so much area in Atlanta. I think you and I talked about this in the past where we had like this kind of shared vision of just having this area, like in not too far from the city itself. Yeah, huh? that vision is not going away. That's, that's right. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's right. That vision of where it's just creative stuff just in this area. And it's there's all this parts of the country and the world that are like that. And Atlanta deserves that. It does. They, they, they deserve, you know, we deserve it because we are a great place with lots of creators, man. I tell you, if you and I want to create a movie or a theater show right now, we walk, we walk 10 feet and we're going to have some people, some great people. <laughs> who who want to do that? We'll have a whole team. But that's what I mean. You know, so so ownership of the real estate, ownership of the, the intellectual rights, ownership of the creative rights. And and that's that's what I want that you know, that's what I'm pushing towards. That's what I want Dance World Studios to be. Um I saw your question, Lester, and and I'm the, the studio in Lithonia is accessible right now, but you just have to, you know, let me know and I'll I can take you guys on the tour. Um if you're gonna use it. But what, what I want to get at is um, ownership through and through. A lot of times as creatives, you know, we, we create these incredible pieces, man. And it doesn't matter what it is. It can be a painting. It can be whatever. And we don't really understand what's going to happen to it once it gets into the market. And that's a completely different playground. Um, and so we watch our babies get, you know, <laughs> trampled or, uh, or, you know, misused out in this, this marketplace, uh, and, or used in ways that we just didn't see that it, it needed to be used as. And so, and then maybe it's a success if we don't reap the bulk of the, re the reward for that. And it's only because we, we did not understand um, the marketplace. We don't understand how to structure this creative property prior to putting it out on the market to where, you know, we are benefiting from our own creations. And, and so, you know, that, that's always been a concern for me in the arts community. All my friends are artists. I'm an artist, you know? Um, but I was like, you know, it's important for me to learn this entrepreneurship piece. Yeah. So that we do create, you know, we, we have some control what happens to it once it's released. When I hear you talk, something that strikes me so much in your comments is just this legacy that you're trying to build and that we're all trying to build. You know, my family came from Jamaica. We came here with not much. We just came here with each other. <laughs> so we just came as a family. And I tell my kids and my, um, my family so much is that when they came here, they came here for us to think about what would a legacy look like. And in a lot of cases, the legacy really is linked to some level of entrepreneurship. So whether it's creating a business of whatever our purpose is or, or being involved in the business, I think it links to that. My family probably didn't know that when they came here. They didn't know all of that, all of the things that you and I know. But I think we all know that our families did they've sacrificed a lot for me and you to be having this conversation oh, yeah. and, and for me and you to be prepared to help. And land is one of those key things. You made a very clear point earlier. When I talk to people about businesses, I always talk to them in a very overly simplistic way. It's like, whatever you're doing has to have a transactional piece of business, but then you got to find a way to make it recurring. And so when you talk about the ownership that you were mentioning about films and all that stuff, that's recurring pieces of business. Right. When you own the rights for that thing, when it goes and it gets shown and someone's doing it, whatever they're doing with it, they take a snippet of it. You get a piece of that. That's recurring. 
but you also need a transactional piece in order to build a recurring. <laughs> so they're like a cycle of stuff. You got to continue to have them at the same time. So when Dapps World Studio people come in and they do their show there, I'm sure you're going to capture that. And then from there, you might own the rights for that or help the other people or be a co-owner of the rights for that. So you got two pieces of the business going at the same time and your own creative. That's how people, creatives, we can use two brains in our two halves of our brain at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, and that's just two, right? We also, you know, I own the real estate. That's right. And so and that's what I mean. Like even owning the real estate gives you leverage to be able to use whatever equity is in the property to fund your projects if you need it. You know, so you always have access to capital. And that's the thing, you know, as creatives, we want to be able to create, you know, to our fullest extent. I was just talking to a, a filmmaker friend of mine today and I was like, yo, we, you know, we've been fighting for this physical freedom, you know, for since we've been here on, on this, you know, on this coast, you know, in this, in this, in the States, we've been fighting for our physical freedom. And now, you know, it's beginning to turn into this freedom for, you know, imagination. You know, I want my imagination to be able to run free. Right. But uh, in a lot of ways, in order for that to, to be, and I'm not saying you, you're limited to money because you can always, you know, create, but I'm like, when you have capital, you have a lot more access. You can run a lot, you know, more freely uh, when you have access to capital. So building structures that's going to give you access to capital, so that when you're ready to start producing your works or helping other pe people produce their works, like there is enough there for you to make something that's well done, that's going to uh, continue, you know, forward and last for a long time. You know, Spike Lee is a great example. He's like one of the people that I study and not just his filmmaking, but also his, his business savvy. <laughs> you yeah. know, this man independently raised millions of dollars for like the first 15 or 20 films, probably more than that. And um, he didn't have a studio backing him. And these are monumental films that we also remember Right thing, you know? And they when they come out now, depending on how those things were set up, they may be people might be getting some sliver of whatever that is. Um, you you mentioned something which I thought was pretty cool. Um, that sometimes when I'm talking to people about their businesses, that they don't really get, and that's really around this three pie levels, this capital structure of your business, like what cash you have, what debt you have, and what equity you have. And having land allows that equity to grow, which hence allows you to get more debt, which allows you to finance more stuff in order to get more cash. It's, it's, it's a cyclical kind of thing. And I think that there's this missing piece a lot of times when you're talking to say, well, you know, I just got this film, and but I don't really own it or I don't know how to own it. I don't have it trademarked or copyrighted on all, all of that stuff. Um, so they're missing the equity of it. And it breaks my heart in a way because there's so many dope creators. They got so many dope stuff. And that's the reason why I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Call me. Send me a note. Reach out to a brother because I'm going to help you. I mean, God put me on this earth, man, to do what I'm doing. This has gone beyond just what a purpose is and what a, that kind of thing. It's just really a calling. There's a reason why I've learned all the stuff. I've gone through whatever schools and worked in whatever places I work for is to be right here at this moment that for you and I to be here right at this moment. So whoever's listening to us now and later to know that, yo, those brothers are here for us because that's what this time, this time is like, if, if this band, pandemic has told us anything or taught us anything, it's like, yo, you got to be with people the moment you're there with them. <laughs> like You can't be fronting. You can't be like, you know, back, you would go in a place in the past, you'd see somebody be like, nah, I ain't talking to him or her, man. Like, they get on my nerves <laughs> or whatever people would say about that. Ain't no right. time for that anymore. Man. Right. It, it, it just isn't, you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, people people find a way to get in in their own way. You know, and, and and the challenge I think we all have is that we hurt sometimes. We, we we hurt, and then we don't know how to heal, and we'll do stuff to sabotage our own healing. Yeah, right? 
yeah, man, but you're gonna hurt. Inevitable, like you're gonna hurt people. We're gonna, we're gonna hurt. You know, that's that's gonna be a thing uh, in life. Like I tell people all the time, hurting is living. Sometimes it's like you're trying to, like I think you made a comment earlier about you know the fear that many of us have when we're trying to do something, and that's a real thing. We were trying to fear because we got that, that that part of our brain, that reptile part of our brain that is don't want to have something go wrong or don't want to have something hurt us in any kind of way. And so we respond to that reptile brain and be like, nah, I ain't trying to do that. Or, and I know we've both been in this conversation where they would, somebody like, nah, you can't do that. <laughs> or, nah, it's not going to work. That is like, we got a whole life probably everybody who's listening to us, they've got people like that. And the truth is that every single one of them people is wrong. You know, everything on this earth has been created twice. This conversation was created twice. It was when I reached out to Dab, said, yo, Dab, I need you to come back to the podcast. And Dab was like, yo, I'm down. That was when it was created. And the second part of the creation is this conversation right here. I say, I say, it all starts, right? It all starts in the imagination. You know, we, we imagine things and then we follow through with it. And, uh, you know, our job in our physical form is to follow through with it. That's and, right. And anything, anything that's blocking that flow is, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it doesn't need to be there. It's made up, you know, in a lot of ways. Even as real as it may feel, it is, it is made up and it, we're making it up. That's right. You know, the last part here is that it's been kind of an interesting week. We started talking about hip hop at the beginning um, and we lost some some great hip hop guys this week. Some people that were um, that everyone, regardless of whether you're 20 or 50, you, 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 you've heard their names. And um, it just tells me that going back to our comment about legacy, that we had a few minutes ago, all of them dudes created a legacy. Like, I don't know all the songs that Black Rob made. You know, I'm sure he made several. But when Woe comes on, everybody gets up. <laughs> everybody, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what the deal is when they hear that. Hey, thanks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when the Humpty Dance comes on, everybody know the deal. It's thanks today. You know, that's what I'm talking about. But it's up to us, like it was up to them brothers to decide that no matter what it took, they were gonna do it, and they did, and were proficient at it, and that's why it's a legacy. So I'm like, yo, let's just let's just do it. Um, I, I know, so I know some of us like just really identify as creatives, and it's hard to um, to relinquish that because that's who I am, you know. Um, and I'm not that, like, I'm not the paper pusher. I'm not organized. I'm not, you know, detail oriented enough to put the plan together. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are things that are, those are, that's you standing in your own way. Because as creatives, we can create anything, even our own lives, even our own way of processing this other side of things, which is the business. We're creatives. Like, we don't have to sit at the desk and, you know, you don't have to do that, but there's a way that you can do it that works for you. And I'm just like, yo, stop making it. And I, I'm talking to myself. I know it sounds like I'm coming down on people, but I'm really talking to that. Stop making excuses and just do the work. That's the hard part for many of us, including myself. I'm talking to myself too. Yeah. It's like the work is is the thing. You know, everybody, those guys that we just talked about, those great hip hop legends, they did some work. You know, they just didn't show up one day and just like, oh, yeah, now all of a sudden they've created a hit that lasts 20, 30 years. No, they, they did work, every single one of them. You think about DMX and all the stuff he's done all over his life, man. That brother was, you know, I know that this is kind of a, maybe it's a sort of a New York thing, but every, everyone in New York's got like a top 10, top five about everything. We got a top 10, top five about everything. And so, and so he's definitely on my top 10 when it comes to lyricists and the history of hip hop. Yeah. There is no doubt about it. I don't know if he wrote everything he ever wrote, but you were talking, you started off, we talking about freestyling. 
Mm-hmm. Every time he would do his thing, it always came across like he was freestyling. <laughs> I, everything. I, I still think so. I don't know for sure. I never read the liner notes, but mm-hmm. yeah. liner notes for those of you who don't know for you for you young out there. <laughs> I had to tell my what liner notes were you know the other day. So we used to buy. We used to actually buy physical copies of the music. They were called. Yes. <laughs> And before that, they were called tapes. And before that, they were eight tracks. And before that, they were albums, records, vinyl, right? But inside was was the uh, the notes from each song. And you can see the lyrics sometimes. You can see everybody who participated in production and, you know, the cool, crazy, cool artwork. It was all there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they still have liner notes these days, but I just thought it was an opportunity to teach. <laughs> I don't know, but like on songs on your phone now, they they most of them will tell you the lyrics, right? Like in a karaoke kind of way. Well, you will actually see the lyrics on the phone or on the tablet when the song is playing. I don't know about if they do that on Spotify, which I know is bigger than Apple. But I know on the Apple one, you when you play a song, you can see the the um the the words now, which I think is pretty cool for somebody like as older than like myself. Because I be trying to catch as to what the brothers are saying, <laughs> so I be like, "Yo, they got the words on here." Like, thank God they got the words on here, so I can see what the brothers are saying. But even you think about DMX, people gave him a hard time 20, 30 years ago because he growled all the time yeah. in his songs. Right, but his yeah. lyrics were amazing. There was this one time where he met Rakim, right, who's the, the goat of all lyricists. And so they, they got together and they're connecting. And he just at off the top of the dome just started to say every lyric from all of Rakim's, not just the most well-known Rakim songs, but yeah. like songs that people don't know of that much, like lyrics of fury and microphone theme and all those kind of things. I was like, oh my gosh, DMX is a student. He doesn't show up and, and become this great, Iconic dude, he was a student of the of what he was doing. Right, that's so important. That's so important is being a student of your craft, whatever that is, even the business side of things. Being yes. a student, like there's always something to learn and somebody to learn from. Man, I'm getting like so somehow I'm surrounded by all these elders all of a sudden, you know, uh, and they're, they're black men. And they've been in, you know, they're from different industries. You know, they've done it all. You know, I mean, all they've done it all, and they're just giving me all of this knowledge, man. And uh, it's it's so dope, you know, especially on the business side of things. You know, uh, when it comes to investing, when it comes to um, just keeping my business uh, afloat and organized and, and structured well. Like I'm, I got my KPI and my, my P&L, my balance sheets, and you know what I'm saying? I know where my money is going, and it's, you know, it's a blessing to have that, but I'm a student, and these brothers are great, and so I already know that Dab's world is going to be successful, you know? Yeah. And that's, that includes you too, Winston. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That includes you too. You and that bunch. So I appreciate I, that. Man, I, you, brother, I appreciate it. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate that because you know it's so much value, and you can't put a number on some of those conversations and some of that wisdom that you get from people. You can't. And in the end, that's the only thing we're gonna remember anyway. Yeah. Is the people that was around that looked out for us. Yeah. You're not gonna remember stuff. I tell people all the time. People are always trying to manage people. I was like, Nah, man, manage stuff. Love people, man. Be for real with people. Be be there for them when they need stuff. And then manage your stuff. But don't be trying to manage people. Human beings can't be managed. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't be. They can be inspired a little bit. Right? Yeah. Or, or they can. At least in 2021. Maybe you know, 100 and some odd years ago when there's somebody in a factory and if you did the wrong thing, your head and hand would cut off or something like that. Maybe then you could manage that kind of flow but not these days. Yeah, but you had to go to extremes to manage. You know, you had to chop off people's hands and kill people. 
That's right. You have to do that kind of thing. And these days, every single person that we know, no matter whether they're blue collar, white collar, whatever collar they got, they're a knowledge worker. Yeah, man. Yeah, and add value. Like we all have potential to add mad value to the world. And and that's that's another thing. See, that's another thing that Dapp's world does, right? That's another stream of income. But Dapp's world. Uh, but it's also a passion of mine. So a lot, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm also uh, I've been building brands for the last 20 years. You know, I've been helping people to build brands. I was a freelance graphic designer um, for a very long time, and uh, I learned so much about you know building brands and you know just pulling them apart, and analyzing them. That now I'm at a point where um, you know, that's that's what I consult people on. Like people come to me if they they want to redo their brand or they start a new business and they need a new brand um and i can sit with folks and, and give them a strategy on how to craft their story to connect with the the audience that they want to connect to and All make right. impact and, and then they'll they'll have a return on that which is a lot of times the goal is there's more clients um more money you know they have a you know, a baseline that they're trying to meet. And so I can help them um, with that, with their branding strategy, because I'm a storyteller. Because I've been writing awesome. since I was a little bit. That's right. <laughs> well, I tell you um, uh, that, as always, man, you are so inspirational to me. Um, uh, I got your back. I got your back, that I just do. Um, you you have just been, I don't know when we first connected, but it seems like it's been forever. And so I, I appreciate everything that you do. And if you're out there and you're a creative, I hope you heed the words that my brother has shared with you today. He's just really, really focused on growing a legacy, as you should be too. Whatever that legacy is for you, that legacy might be a piece of artwork. It might be your children. It might be your parents or your or your business, whatever it is, it's yours. Just take it, man. 2020 told, taught every single person that still exists on this planet that you just got to take it, man. It's your thing. You can't be waiting. That's what the virus's biggest lesson is. You can't wait, man, for nothing to happen. <laughs> Tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. And while you're doing that, make sure you're doing it for people. Make sure you're doing it with people that you love. Make sure you're with the right people. If you're not with the right people, then don't be with them because they are not going to help you nor help themselves. That's why the Creativity Cocktail has been here for these last couple of years. And that's been such a great part of it, brother. Um, I'm going to leave it to you for any final comments you want to share with the audience. Oh, yeah, man. Um, before I forget, <laughs> I just want to I want to plug my beautiful wife. Uh, my family is like, they, they're so dope. My son and my wife, they're so dope. But That's uh, awesome. is, uh coming out with a new book. She just finished her book and it's coming out next month. It's called Focus. And oh, uh, really? That's yeah, a great name, man. That's yeah, a it's called Focus. So you probably be you probably be seeing some stuff from me on my social media, um, just kind of promoting her book and, and that kind of thing. I'm very proud of her. She is she's been working on it for um uh, just out a year, you know, just out a year. And uh, so, yeah, the, so that's coming out. So I just wanted to, you know, throw that out there. So be on the lookout for Focus by Misty Oaks Paxton. That's my name. Oh, gosh. That uh, is so awesome. I don't think I've ever met Misty. Maybe I did once in passing. But I was saying to myself, it feels like I know her, man, because you are just so in tune with making sure the world knows about her power. Yes, yes. And what she's got to offer every one of us. And I, and I see the, the post there that you have for her, man. Family is the key thing, man, because you're not going to remember anything else. Just remember your family and your friends. I'm telling you, when we both are gray, 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 and I'm like bald for real, and all, <laughs> I'm just going to remember that. I'm not going to remember like how much money I had. I'm not going to remember like if I had this thing that I thought was a fancy thing. I'm not going to remember if I had some nice shoes or a suit. I was going to remember my brother. I was like, yo, one day back in April of 2021, I got in this conversation with my boy Dap, and then we had some people join in, and it was just the greatest time in the world. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Oh man, yo, I love that vision, and I am co-creating that with you. We are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is awesome. Thanks again, brother. For those of you out there, man, your life is a, you are a masterpiece. I say this all the time. When you were born, you were a masterpiece. You are in, it's incumbent upon you to keep doing little brush strokes. Keep painting that masterpiece, making it as beautiful as you possibly can be. That's what the goal of life is. Is to just keep painting. You'll never have it completely done. But that's why you're alive. That's why you got up this morning. So you can paint something on your life every single day on day. So the creativity cocktail has been great. Dap always gets me going. He gets me like super jazzed and excited on another level. So I'm, I'm asking his brother. I don't even have to ask him to, to join us again. They're going to be having a celebration here soon for our two-year anniversary. And he's going to be invited as well as so many other people who've been a great contributor or contribution to the creativity cocktail. We've been listening to all over the planet Earth. And we hope to keep doing that for the next year and just keep the momentum of people knowing that when you're going through a a challenge in life, your creativity's got your back. Yep. You, you got it. So make sure you do that. So Dap, again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. And thank you for all of those who joined today. Take care. <laughs>